everybody talk about it outdoors live in the Wilson studio. I am your host, Alex DeBoard. As always, my right-hand man, the guy that gets all the things done when I can't get to them. Nicholas Wilson is here with me. We got an exciting episode for you tonight. I'm sure you're going to love this one. Stick around, pull up a chair, and set a while. We're going to kick this thing off. Nicholas, we are back from our trip to the west side of the state over to our neighbor, Alabama. We had an amazing time over at the Alabama Deer Expo, the World Deer Expo, and what a weekend it was. Man, it was an awesome trip, man. We met some awesome people, made some great relationships, even got to see that Bucky's gas station. <laughs> you got to go to Bucky's for the first time. That's pretty Golly, cool. Golly, that's like a Costco on steroids <laughs> well and you, like you said we made some amazing contacts there we made some um, built some amazing relationships some that i'm excited to see what the future holds for and uh, that's kind of led us into tonight and uh, the comp- conversation that we're going to get to have and uh, i'm not going to waste any time getting right into this one so uh, i'd like to welcome talk about it outdoors uh mr wade with uh the million dollar buck bass challenge is here with us and how are you doing tonight sir Doing great, guys. Uh, Alex, you are a natural. <laughs> <laughs> you wind it up. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about talking to you about uh, what our challenge is all about. The, you know, challenge. the fun thing about it is for us is letting you hear that music. And I think instead of just saying, hey, you're on the air, we'll talk about it outdoors. You hear the music, it pumps you up. You look, Me and my tag team partner over here, we look like wrestlers. We're fixing to come out of that's the right. ring. <laughs> that's what we need to do. We need to build us a curtain back here. And we just can climb out, out of it. Out yeah, walk some, out of it. We need a smoke machine. <laughs> yeah, get us a smoke machine going. <laughs> Oh, me. Well, Mr. Wade, it was nice talking with you this weekend. And, uh, you know, our, our great friend Matt Jennings made the contact for us and uh, started a text message chain with you and I to begin the week off and, you know, kind of said, we're going to come over and see you and speak to you at the booth. And the opportunity was there. And, and man, what a booth you guys have got. It's a, uh, it, y'all, a- it must have taken hours to set that thing up because it was probably the beautiful, just most complex setup that we had seen in anywhere that we had been. Well, so far, some of the shows we've done, it has been a standout booth, but that's really the, the presence we want to bring to, uh, you know, the, the hunters in the whitetail world with our whitetail challenge. And that is, we want to stand out. We want this product to stand out to them and let them know that as eye catching as we want to be at the shows, we want to, it's all about making them aware of this great opportunity that we're bringing to them. Yeah, and and the booth, you know, really caught our eye, and we immediately saw where to go with it, and it was something Nick and I talked about was the tables and the the setup on the walls, and, you know, Nick was pinging your guy about the GoPro on the wall there and seeing how it was operating, and we're always curious to see what people's ideas are on that, and you and I had some conversations about the booth, and you told me about the layout and the flow and everything, and I was cool. That was just neat to learn those different scenarios that go through your mind and how you put that together. Yeah, that particular show, uh, we were a little late getting uh, um, aware of it. So we didn't get the ideal location because we like our booth to be open on all sides so that, you know, it's just very welcoming to uh, to attendees. And, um, you know, the more the merrier just to, you know, sit around, tell stories, talk talk a little bit of buck smack, you know. 
That's right. That's right. Well, um, before we go into the competition, and it's something that we're going to stick with as we do with all our shows, we want to know about the man behind the the picture here. You know, everybody hears your voice. They see you on the, you know, the posts or whatever it may be. But we want to learn more about what Mr. Wade is and who you are as a hunter and where you come from. And that's really the backstory we want to tell to lead into the competition side of it. Certainly. Well, uh, first of all, I want to thank you guys for, you know, the opportunity to come come on, on your show and talk. But for myself, I come from the competitive fishing world. My, my dream was to always be competing on the elite as far as uh, the bass fishing world goes. And I've always had that love for the outdoors and that competitive desire. And over the years, you know, I fished uh, on tour for a while with FLW and had my couple of five-minute glory moments and that type of thing. <laughs> But um, always had a passion for the whitetails and basically got into filming my own hunts and carrying the gear and the arms and all that kind of stuff and eventually scaled down to be a little bit more manageable so I wouldn't, you know, um, mess up a hunt or compromise a a deer and that type of thing, you know. But um, as time went on and I matured as a hunter, um, I, I realized that a small scale camera could do just, just as good a job for me and for my needs than you, with all the big equipment. And from that, um, sitting in the tree stand, you know, uh, watching the deer that I grow in Illinois, I just felt like if I can do this and, um, anybody can do it as far as capturing their harvest on camera, you know, capturing the deer story. Cause the more I got into filming my, my hunts, I, I felt like I matured as a hunter. Um, um, I, I would see mature deer and let them pass like a three, four year old. And years ago when I was younger, I would probably shoot that deer or have, have an opportunity at that deer where capturing on camera, it's almost like you're harvesting that deer without having to, uh, obviously kill it. Right. So, so I, I just felt there was a certain element of, growth there that um, I respected and um, it allowed me to grow as a hunter to be able to have the patience to target bigger deer and so on and um, one day a a buddy of mine and I were talking and um, he was asking me you know what can I do to get into the whitetail industry I just didn't want to be working in the carpentry industry anymore so I I basically said you know why why not just do a, a, a tournament situation for, for the hunting world. So I just she started talking ideas and it just sparked the idea. And so I dug in from a business standpoint because I have multiple uh, other businesses and put the, put the business plan together and, and just drafted it all out and said, you know what? I think we can make this work. So we market tested it here in Tennessee, you know, in our backyard and um, did put together a little marketing website and basically some assets to advertise and tested the market. And in 2019, we had 6,000 people in five months reserve a spot for this competition. And with that said, um, it told me there's definitely a market. And Tennessee is is coming on as a a deer state. Um, But in in the Midwest and across the whitetail world, um, it's not the premier state for whitetails. Right. So I felt like if we can do that here in Tennessee, we can do that anywhere. We have a strong white tail population. 
So I, and, and so that really that really sparked it together for, for me to um, make the investment. Um, know that from our uh, our business model that we could deliver this to our to our market to the whitetail world. Um, the other thing I'd like to add to that is, you know, timing. Uh, we've all gone through this whole COVID um, scenario here in the last uh, year and a half, or how long it's been. So. Um, that um, that sparked for us anyway a, a little bit of a setback with our timing because we would have hoped to have this to market a year ago already, but you know the COVID really um, put a put a, a wrench in our delivery time for our product from overseas. Where so, did you where did you actually get your start at though, Mister Wade, with hunting? Where where did, where were you born and raised at? Were you? Oh, you want to go way I'm talking back? About, hey, yeah, we when I when I'm when I'm talking about way back and getting to the root of who the man you are, I want to know yeah. those stories from you know get that base foundation so you know everyone out there can know that you're that relatable guy before before that sure. this was ever a thought in your mind or the fishing side. You know where where did you first get your start at? We are going way back when I was <laughs> a teenager. Obviously, my father, he was a, a big outdoorsman, and my grandpa, and, and, and the hunting heritage of deer hunting being from Wisconsin okay. goes deep in the blood That's right. of the Wisconsin deer hunter. So that has always been in the, in the, in the family. And, you know, back in those days, you just hunted to, to harvest an animal, to harvest uh, horns and, and get, get some meat out of it. But as... Um, as I grew up as a teenager, I've always had a passion for the outdoors and, and hunting and whatnot. And so, um, as you, as you get older, as, as we all know, anyone listening to this cast, it's like, you know, you've got responsibilities and it kind of takes you out of the, the certain avenues of your, your desires. You have to compromise for career, family, whatever it might be. So for a lot of years, I was out of the whitetail game pursuing the bass fishing uh, world. But um, always had a love for it, and um, and uh, yeah. So you know, hunting has always been a strong thing in our, in our family. Um, I always look forward to it, and um, uh, we we had property in Wisconsin to hunt on. You know, it's just I think it's probably the the, the typical story of most hunters. You know, they have their friends growing up, they have common interests. You you're a, a teenager learning everything learning something every year to, to grow as a hunter. But in, when I, at the age I am now, I'm uh, 56. Um, we didn't have the technology that uh, the youth have today to learn and grow and, and, and whether it be hunting or fishing, there's just so many resources now that they can scale so much faster than, than we could when, when I was a kid. So you, you go, know, be, you go from, you know, a hunter and you go into the, to the fishing side of things and, yeah. That that had to be a you know coming from Wisconsin, y'all have got some giant deer there, and, and there's a, it's a big buck state, and it's been known as a big buck state for a long time. Greg Lessinger, you know, he's been up in there on jury and hammered some monsters, and we've talked with Greg. And but the the foundation of you growing up, and you made mention of your your father and your grandfather being a staple in that. That has to be something that resonates you know highly with you as you're going into thinking of putting together a challenge for what they would want to be involved in as it's carried through the years. That's got to be something that's constantly in your mind. Well, it is. You know, my, my father now, he's up in his mid-70s, and he doesn't get around like he used to, and he's technologically challenged. Right. I, I think if, 
with my, you know, mother didn't turn the remote on for him. I don't know if he'd be able to even watch the outdoor channel. So that's the thing about our, our, our product. It's, it's not for every demographic because there are some challenges of just that, you know, that, that era, whether or not their acceptance of, of what we're doing, but, uh, but definitely the, the, the younger demographic uh, and what we're doing today is, is definitely excites them because they're, you know, they, their day-to-day life revolves around technology. And uh, if we can, you know, one of my hopes is that having this type of platform, the youth sees that. And, you know, that until COVID hit, some of the numbers in the hunting world have been dropping. And our whole goal is to get the youth into the outdoors. And, you know, in, in keeping this technology element in there and um, the reward system, the element of competition, I'm hoping it's just one more element of uh, excitement that we can maybe bring some more youth into the outdoors. That's right. So we kind of yeah. went through the, the thought process of where the idea came from. You and a, mm-hmm. a friend of yours developed the idea for it. So let's go into the to the basis of how the contest works and what it is so we've got the million dollar buck bash challenge and it's a basically a videography contest um and i want you to kind of go into the to the root beginning of it and if i'm an individual or a consumer and i want to get involved in this where's my first start great um first i'd like to mention where the name came from Okay. okay From the fishing industry, when when you get engulfed in something, when you get passionate about something, you commit yourself to something. You know, I, I've always felt that the reward should should represent the commitment. And from the fishing world, there's so much that goes into that sport. The grind. There's a lot of people don't really understand just how much of a grind that is to be on tour and and, and be consistent and be competitive at at a, at a high level. But what was important to me over time is you really do want to put your efforts in where you have the biggest reward. Um, obviously, you, you get passion and you get reward from just being in the woods or being on the water. But when it comes to a monetary reward, um, you want to put your efforts in, in a place where there's a big reward. So, And I know there's a couple of other uh, whitetail challenges out there that um, pay uh, prizes and that type of thing. So when we developed this, platform we wanted it to be the most elite payout ever offered in the whitetail world so what we did was base it around a million dollar payout and that million dollar payout with the million dollar buck bash uh challenge is that if anyone were to ever harvest an official boone and crockett state record in our platform capturing their deer story capturing their state record on camera and meeting all the uh, scrutiny and uh, of uh, Boone and Crockett and um, state authorities that they would be paid out a million dollars from our platform. And so that's on a each that's on a state by state basis as we run a challenge in each state. But to back up a little bit, um, like you were saying, Alex, uh, run through the competition, give some give some overview as to how this uh, platform works. Yeah, and I think that I think a lot of the confusion with it is is that it's a one hunter is going to win a million dollars. Is that the case? 
No, no. Um, so, and I think that's I think that's some of the confusion that I've been getting questions on is like, oh, I can win a million dollars. Well, no, not necessarily. And yeah. we can get into the payouts and you know how that's tiers and everything else. But let's just start. If if I'm a consumer and I see this online, where's my first step to go and start learning about it or or getting the details about it? Sure. Uh, when you go to our website, we have quite an extensive overview of our platform. It shares how it works, basically. You, you can go online and it gets the, the gist of how to register and, uh, like you said earlier, what the payouts are and what's required. We have a, a pretty in-depth process there showing uh, hunters what they would have to uh, do to qualify for our payout structure. Um, you mentioned earlier about the, uh, the million dollar payout, how somebody might think they can win a million dollars. And that's true. They can win a million dollars. But like I was saying earlier, that's if they were to harvest the state record while in, in our, comp- in our competition or our platform. Okay. So at that point, that's where our branding is, is really geared around the million dollar payout, um, in that regards. But in addition to that, when uh, a hunter goes to our website and they, um, check out our, our, our protocol, if you will, as far as being a, a, an apex hunter, um, they purchase their entry fee for their state or states that they want to participate in. And, uh, for their purchase of the, an entry fee into the, uh, whitetail challenge, we provide them with all the camera equipment. Uh, you may have seen it at the show there where we, uh, provide a, a streamlined down camcorder of small scale that has a display screen and so forth that has a 10 times optical zoom. It has, uh, comes with an accessories of an SD card, a, um, multifaceted, uh, mounting bracket for mounting on a weapon, uh, whether it be a scope tube or maybe a compound stabilizer, uh, crossbow uh, scope tube. We provide a, a, a bracket that hopefully is going to meet, meet the hunter's needs on some level, but they can film any way they want. So they can buy any type of bracket they want as an aftermarket if need be. Right. You know, everyone right. has their, 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 their comfort level when it comes to utilizing equipment. We just try to give them a, a really good starting point to be able to hit the woods hunting. Right. Um, package also comes with a, and, 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 and pardon me if I said this already, an SD card, obviously, uh, uh, a charging uh, wall charger and battery, of course, and 90-minute battery, and a telephoto lens for firearm hunters to, to stretch out there a little bit further for um, capturing their uh, harvest. And um, all of that uh, together is uh, provided with their entry fee. All right, so they get and their... And that gets them um, basically started in. No, I was just going to say, so they get their, their video package and with everything in it that you've said, and they've, you know, I guess they're kind of wondering, all right, I got my stuff, and, you know, I've started recording this thing, and, and I've got to make a move to, to get this big deer I've got killed. So let's go into the the structure in each state. So let's talk about Georgia. We're in Georgia. Most of our listeners are going to be in Georgia, and there's other states that are, of course, involved in it. But let's say you're in Georgia, and you're a contestant, and there's there's been – 5,000 entries into that. All right, so you've got 5,000 mm-hmm. entries here in Georgia, and everybody's signed up, and I kill a deer opening day of bow season. All right, and you're limiting mm-hmm. that that to 
the special seasons like what Tennessee has with their uh, their early season archery, that's not applicable because you can't do that on public land. You and I have ha- had that discussion. But you're pretty much making it where yeah. every competitive person, as long as they're taking an animal by legal means in archery, crossbow, muzzleloader, or rifle season in the state of Georgia, they are capable of getting into this competition as long as they get that hunt on film. That is the key thing with your camera, correct? Absolutely, yes. So if they already do film hunts and they have their own equipment, they just incorporate this into what what they're using already. Yes, because the footage that's submitted to us comes from our camera. It, right. it you know has its defined metadata on there. So we um, the whole concept of the camera, of course, in simplicity for everyone to understand, is that it maintains the level of integrity of this whitetail challenge that needs to be there to protect the resource and to protect the hunters from any shenanigans <laughs> basically. Right. Yep. So it, it is the foundation of, of maintaining a competition of complete um, integrity. Yep. Um, so they, and everything you said there is true, Alex, everything you said there is true. So anybody with a, uh, uh, any weapon choice, that is legal in your state. Um, no special hunts uh, um, are um, applied here. It's normally going to be from a, a start and end point of the general season so that everyone uh, has a, a fair and equal amount of time and um, effort to apply themselves to the, to the challenge and, for and, that state. And that's the good thing about it, I think, for what we've looked at is it, it does – allow anybody that's capable of of operating a standard you know camera and it's not just a standard camera i don't I want people to understand that this thing films in 4k i mean it's filming yeah. at a high definition rate so not only are you going to enter yourself into a competition where you can film a hunt and be successful with that you're going to have a camera to be able to use for the future because once the competition's over you don't ask for that camera back correct correct that's their camera to keep um, our, our model is built on creating an experience for our apex hunters that they just enjoy being a part of. They, um, are excited about being in the, in the challenge, the edge of competition. Um, they incorporate this camera into their, their way of hunting. And, uh, basically it, in, in many ways from a lot of people I know that film their hunts, getting deer on camera is, is rewarding in itself as well as somewhat addicting. So uh, we hope they, they fall into that experience and over time keep experiencing the whitetail challenge year after year after year, entry after entry. And over time, basically the camera's free. So over time we would make our money back on the camera. Right. So do you, now if they, if they take a deer mm-hmm. and they, they film it, they have to send that film immediately to you, correct? No, not immediately. They just got to have it in by the end of the season. Okay. Okay. So, so if um, so if yeah. they're if they're just say they're doing a just say it's some young kids or I, I, anybody they're doing a YouTube channel, okay. and they want to post that on YouTube before it gets to you, do they have to okay. do they have to go through you before they do anything on YouTube? Nope. 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 There's that's their footage. They can do whatever they want with it. Uh, they just have to 
at some point before the end of the season because at midnight at the end of the season is the cutoff for entering any any um, submittals for the competition that uh, it has to be submitted to our platform, which is, by the way, a, a very um, interesting process in the sense that we have designed this platform. We've, it's been in, in development for like over two years before we um, initiated it. We've designed a special process for uploading uh, the footage and their digital Boone and Crockett scoring form in a way that is so simple and so easy that um, anybody that feels like uh, they're a little bit reluctant or hesitant or intimidated by having to do such a thing, we're excited about being able to share that video process on our website because they're going to be like, wow, this, this, is, this is really simple. It's a step-by-step process that we we tried to make it as as simple as as possible for hunters, so that we take all the pain out of the the general way of uploading footage. I guess so we're excited about that. We're proud of that. On the measuring system, I know you guys yes. include the tape in there. I, I'm just I'm just saying this for scenario. You have somebody that's yeah. very close in both tape measurements. Are you going mm-hmm. to have them meet you at some point if there's anything on the fence, the way they measured it, the way they put the tape on there? Is any of that going to come in effect? Great question, great question. And yes, you're right. With their entry, they received two rolls of Apex antler measuring tape. And once they uh, measure their antlers with that tape, which we provide a diagram uh, on, online as well and a video showing them how to um, measure if they've never done it before. Uh, very straightforward, simple process. Which, um, explanatory, that is. And um, what's, uh, what's really nice about our system and unique is that when you utilize our antler tape, when you enter it into our form, all you have to do is put in the ending measurement. So if you're measuring, let's say, the base of, of one of the antlers and you go around and it's like 4.5 or, you know, 5 and four eights or whatever that's all you have to put in into our into our digital form is that that each ending measurement you get put into the form and then the document does all the math for you and and calculates it so it's a really simple process in regards to uploading your score and stuff um and then the the video as well but um the uh, the other side of that is that uh, i i feel like I, like I said earlier, I can't wait to show that process and, and get that marketed out there of how, how easy that, that whole process is going to be there. But um, to, to get back to a more online of your question, when it comes down to the nitty-gritty of determining our, our top winners, where, where the big payout checks are at, and the uh, antler, uh, antlers are scored and whatnot, one of the requirements is once all the antler tape is on, the antlers the uh, hunter, the apex hunter has to film that, that, that tape on the antlers and just do somewhat of a, a, a around the antler type scan and kind of show where the ending measurement took place because it's an accumulative tape. And when all the tape is on, it'll, it'll basically um, show the actual um, um, green score of, of those antlers. And we'll have that on film at that point to verify that, okay, we're looking at those antlers. Yeah, it looks like everything is legitimately put on there. 
And however, when we get to finalizing all the payouts, we have a marshal that reviews all of this footage to make sure that it's accurate. The, the measuring um, footage would be um, one of them as well. And if there's any, um, and at all, any a, uh, doubt that something is, is off or, or, or needs any attention, we'll be contacting that hunter to um, verify. And if we have to um, measure those antlers ourselves, we will do that. But when it comes to the big payouts, um, just to elaborate a little bit more on that, uh, the show we were at, guys, you know, here in Alabama, the World yep. Year Classic or Expo, it's those types of shows where we will have our ceremony every year for the for the payouts. And at those um, banquet-type ceremony um, awards um, presentations, the top 10 guys, you know, let's just put a scenario together here, like the, the, the most dramatic serenity. Um, scenario that we could come up with and that would be that let's just say they're all separated by like five inches you know yeah, yeah. something like that so what happens in that situation all of those top scores are officially scored by a Boone and Crockett marshal and though you may have gone into the ceremony in first place and another guy on your heels like an inch and an eighth behind you and so on the official scores for the for the big payouts are determined by our Boone and Crockett marshals. So that's where we want to bring the drama to the stage, if you will, that's at our go ceremony. <laughs> you know, where oh. we have the big jumbotron and TVs in the stage, and we've got our guys there with their antlers because that's one of the requirements. They've got to bring their antlers into the ceremony for scoring and everything. And so, you know, you come in and you come in in 10th place, but, um, when it's all said and done, maybe you bump up a few because, um, the, the tape measure was off just a little bit or whatever it might be. So that's where things get, get interesting from a dramatic standpoint, as far as how we want to, um, bring the whitetail world to a big stage. Is there a live leaderboard? Good question. The leaderboard is not live. It's with, but it's completely opposite. It's a blind leaderboard. So oh, nobody man. knows what anybody has at all. So at the end of the season, at midnight, at the end of each season, the leaderboard goes live, and that will be the complete summary of all the participants. It'll be a complete summary of all the harvest. And you'll be able to see where you stand. And... Um, we didn't talk about this yet, but when it comes to the payout, that's going to be one of the most exciting things. I think, you know, we all hate to look forward to the end of the season, but now we got actually something that maybe takes a little bit of that, that, that off of the, uh, the burden off of us, because if you're in the, in this whitetail challenge, there'll be a, uh, some excitement there to see where you end up at the end of the season. On the Boone and Crockett, um, you don't have to wait for a drying period to score that, correct? You sixty days. Yes, you do. Oh, you That's do? why all of our all of our um, ceremonies would be held a minimum of ninety days after the gotcha. um, the end of the season. Yeah, correct. The sixty day drying period for okay. Boone and Crockett. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, and the other thing, while we're talking about some Boone and Crockett guidelines, Alex, I want to share this. That's one of the reasons why the velvet cones are not eligible for our challenge as well, is because Boone and Crockett does not accept 
measuring uh, velvet antlers. Right. Okay, so if they shoot a deer that is in velvet, which, uh, you know, are, are beautiful animals to, to mount and, and so forth, and they were to submit it in this competition, the the actual scoring, they would have to scrape the velvet away to get down to the hard bone for a true measurement. And I don't think any hunter wants to do that, which is why we have exempted that. But that's not to say a, a velvet deer could be shot during um, – regular season because it happens on occasion it's rare but it happens and that would be what would happen in that case yeah genetic deformities or whatever it may be yeah, that cause that. Yeah. and you're looking exactly. at you know you're looking at making it an even playing field with that and you know somebody could be less than five inches off and you know those velvet mass measurements you're, you're not talking about adding a whole lot but when you're getting down to the raw tax of inches here it could add enough yeah. to pass somebody up on there Absolutely. Now, staying in that same lane there, has there ever been any thought process put into maybe making a velvet category? Yes. Yes, we've talked about it. We felt like once our platform is established real well in certain states that do have a velvet uh, season, you know, um, we we could definitely start a separate challenge altogether that's just for the velvet that would be a separate entry altogether you're targeting a, a velvet deer and we could treat that in a different perspective right but it would you know the amount of hunters that have access to that are limited like for instance here in tennessee that's a private landowner thing only so the public guys are, are, are basically penalized at that point gotcha. which uh you know doesn't doesn't offer that that um that level playing field Staying in that same thing, have you have you guys thought about doing like a maybe you already do? Is there a, is there a, <clears throat> sorry is there a state challenge? Like, is, are the states going to compete with it, with one with one another? Good good question. No, um, we understand that you cannot compete Iowa against Tennessee or anything <laughs> right, like that. That's right. 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 Yeah, yeah, that's true. So all of our challenges are state specific, and so that's why it's important that you know, our, our camera design and the requirements of what's required when you submit your footage on your recovery, you have to take a cell phone image of your deer because all of that marks the geographic location of your harvest. And so we know that you're only competing against Tennessee deer and each competition is separate. So we have, we're in 18 states and there's 18 different entries. So you could, you can hunt in Illinois, Kentucky, but you're going to, it's basically a separate entry fee for each state because you're only competing in, in the Whitetail Challenge in that state and, and against other Illinois, Kentucky, or Tennessee um, Apex hunters. And you have software in that computer that, that tells you that that person is using that specific computer or a camera, camera to film with. Yes, the metadata on the, from the camera tells us that, that it's from that, our camera. Gotcha. Yep. Yeah, and that's why we also have uh, a really, uh, I'm, I'm really proud about our interface. We spent a great deal of money, time, and development to get the back end of this thing structured to support a scale, a scale of a challenge like this. And one of the things that's interesting about your question is, uh, from a um, development standpoint, is that when people go to hunters go to upload their footage they can trim the footage down in size front and back like you do on an iPhone. Basically they can do that and it it shrinks down the size of the footage. So if there's a lot of like unnecessary footage in there, 
uh, for uploading. They, they don't have to put that, up, put that up there. And what's nice about that is um, it, it doesn't lose any data because if, if somebody were to edit a file or edit their, um, their materials, we would know right away that was edited. That's just the way the, 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 um, the data gets modified on, on, the, on, the, on the card. So this way we've designed an interface that they're able to edit within our interface and it doesn't adjust the metadata at all. So we're able to maintain the integrity of what they harvested on camera to, um, to our database. I have a very, it sounds like a bunch of techno <laughs> wizard stuff. Let me tell you, it's all it very is. necessary to protect the hunters and maintain a very sound uh, white tail channel. You've probably answered this more than you want to, but I have a scenario. I'm in, yeah. I'm in Illinois. It's, uh, it's early December. I have a buck showing up on camera. I go up there to hunt. It's 18, 19 degrees. My camera freezes up. The biggest buck of my life walks in. I'm about to sling an arrow through it, and my camera freezes up, and I can't use it. You shit out of luck. <laughs> That's what it sounds like to me. I really, I really feel for you. <laughs> I'm crying right now. You. <laughs> oh, you are. But and, yeah, and that I'm was one of the questions. Right yeah, and that's one of the questions that I asked you at the uh, at the uh, um, the expo was how much testing has been done when going back into the cameras? You know, have you seen a lot of latency and in, in issues with the cameras? Have you seen those issues that have came about? Or if an individual has an issue, let's say I'm during bow season, my camera freezes up from the heat in Georgia because it's a 90% humidity. And not saying that it got rained on, but it freezes up and stops working. You made an example of that when we were talking at the show. What happens with that camera? Do I reach out to some product support guys or what do we do there? Absolutely. You know, we have a one-year warranty on the product that, that any type of manufacturer defect or anything like that. But now I feel for you, okay, you got that big deer and something happened to the camera, but, you know, something could happen to your bow too. It's an equipment <laughs> right, well, element. You know well, what I'm saying? Okay, well, here's, a, here's so, my here's, – go ahead. Sorry. Uh, but all I was just trying to point out is, is that – this challenge is all equipment based, whether it's camera and, and, and they all have limitations, right? Regardless of what it is or how you care for your equipment and, and all those types of things. Uh, hopefully something like that never happens uh, <laughs> to anybody. But um, now if you, you know, got excited, fell out of the tree and broke your camera that away or something. Now we have replacement cameras that replace that because our system knows when you buy your first entry, we're providing you that free camera package, right? Right. Our system knows that uh, so-and-so hunter bought the package. They have their camera set up. And when they go to purchase another entry for another deer and say they're a two-buck harvest state because they can enter more than once uh, in a given season or in another state, the system knows that they don't need another camera. So if you needed to replace your camera, our site has a replacement camera on it. If indeed it didn't, uh, you know, if it wasn't a warranty type issue, you can just go on and buy another camera separately. And basically that camera cost is cost. I mean, we just, we want to make sure hunters have, you know, their equipment when they need it. And uh, they just can go on there. It's just basically passing the uh, cost of our camera onto, onto our uh, Apex hunters. Gotcha. I had a long shot on this and I, I probably shouldn't even ask, but I'm going to ask anyways. Say that camera were to die, but somebody was using a GoPro 
and you guys did know yeah. that time and place, you, you could track that when that camera died. If they were to be able to pick up that footage from another camera that they had set up or GoPro, would you guys accept that if something – if the camera went bad during that year's time? Good question. I want I would love to say yes in that situation, but – that opens up a, a, a can of worms for a lot of other things. I'm sure. I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. So I would say, I'm sorry that didn't work out for you in that situation, but you, you do bring, bring attention to, uh, you know, the fact that we have to maintain a, a strict set of boundaries to protect everybody in the competition in sure. every, in that fashion. Like you said, if they had a GoPro or something happened to the camera. Um, and that's a deer of a lifetime in front of my life. Heck with the competition. I'm going to sure. hammer that deer, sure. right? <laughs> yeah. But, uh, sure. I, I just know those, those possibilities could come up at any, any moment, you know, and the person it would happen to would be me. <laughs> yeah. And well, and, yeah. and, and I understand what your concept is on it and what you're, what you're going down the pathway. I mean, at the end of the day, the competition is a bonus to harvesting a deer of your lifetime. Sure. You know, and, and yeah. that, that or, being or, said, or even Alex, you can just, I, I, you sparked this, uh, this response to me when you said deer of a lifetime. However, we didn't talk about the payout structure yet. No, we really haven't got important. to that yet. No, yeah. no, I know. Because, and, Cause you're talking about life changing money for some of these people. Oh yeah. And, and exactly. And the payout structure, it does not have to be a big deer competition. This, this we pay out for big deer in our, in our payout structure, but it's important that hunters know that whether you're an avid or intermediate or maybe even a new, uh, a new hunter that the payout structure in, in, in our, uh, whitetail challenge pays deep and it pays categories just for harvesting, you know, a 110 inch 10 point. You, you could potentially win a $50,000 check for just harvesting a 10 point animal. You can win, you know, 25 K just for harvesting a nine pointer. So it doesn't have to be the deer of a lifetime. It just needs to be, and I say this to uh, everyone I talk to that expresses interest. My strategy, if I were in this competition, coming from a competition background, would be, um, at least in my world of whitetails, I would be targeting my cull deer and getting on the board. And then <laughs> I'd right. go after my target deer because I don't know where that one's going to fall. Even if it's in a thousand places, 10 grand, you know? Well, let me ask that. So that brings up an interesting yeah. point. So let's say I kill Mr. Bowinkle, that's a coal buck on my farm. I entered yeah. that deer into the competition. Am I eligible mm -hmm. to enter a second deer if I kill my target buck? Absolutely. Why wouldn't I reward you for killing two giants? <laughs> so, so you can, there, enter, you can enter twice. Why would they not accept twice? Well, I'm just curious. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. just a question. Yeah, I was thinking if it's limited to one entry. No, no, I mean, no, I would, not at all. If you're in the competition, yeah, if you're, you're going to pay, twi if you're going to pay to play twice, you're going to get two chances. Yeah, but like play. a state Absolutely. like Georgia, you could kill two bucks. You you could kill one and then get a surprise buck during the rut that you don't even know is on right. your farm. Absolutely, absolutely. And in, in Alabama, you can you, you can harvest three. Yeah, <laughs> buck a day. Really? So, yeah. Yep. Man, so be, you you ain't you gonna have be sending yeah. me cameras left and right. It sounds like I'm gonna be signing up for every state I can hunt in. Not Illinois though. I ain't got that kind of deer up there. So if you, if if you do sign up twice for Georgia, um, mm -hmm. well, you know you're only gonna sign up once because no, you're gonna kill two bucks. No, but you still have to sign up twice. No. Yeah. So you you get your you 
trees, you uh, get your first entry there, Alex, and you get your camera with that. You harvest your first deer. If you want to harvest another deer and be part of the competition, you have to get another entry fee for that. Which oh, is God, you, you kicked me in my knees. So, I was so that, I had it one and one. Now, now that's, the, that's the same exact price, but no camera, correct? Or is exactly. there? Exactly. Well, actually, it's a re- your second entry is a reduced price. We knock it down to um, uh, hundred and fifty dollars for your second entry. Okay. Your so first it, entry is two fifty. You get you get the camera with that. Okay, two fifty with a camera, one fifty re-entry fee. Yep. Yeah. Now you have to be exactly signed right. up for yep. the first entry before August thirty first. Correct. Uh, the first entry is actually you reserve right now if you want to reserve a state right now it's free there's no commitment to reserve and we contact you and let you know that your state is now taking entry fees to, to participate in your state challenge and why are you doing that because are you looking for the because, numbers of people to get in that state exactly great question so before a state can go live with uh with one of our white tail challenges we need a minimum of 500 hunters okay, okay. for that state and then as that state scales, it'll scale only as high as 10,000 okay. as far as entries go. Okay. So if every hunter that entered it bought two, there'd be only 5,000 hunters in this in their particular white field challenge. And even less in Alabama if you follow that same point. Yeah. But our goal was to put a cap on it to make that field of hunters know that their odds of really capturing a large payout is very tense. It's tangible. It's doable. You know, there's 700,000 hunters here in Tennessee. Less than one half percent of those hunters, one half percent of them, would has an opportunity to be in this competition. Creates creates competition in a way that probably hasn't been done before. Yeah, because it yeah. doesn't just and, let anybody get in. You're not allowing. Okay, we got a million hunters in Georgia. There's not a million people getting in this competition. There's a maximum right. of ten thousand, or but let me ask this question. So we get 5,000, or let's say we get to, to 5,000, 6,000 hunters that are signed up on the reserve list. You send out a an, an email response, or a, a, I'm assuming you would send out a, a correspondence to I mean, say yeah. Yeah. everybody has to sign up and pay by this date to be included in the competition. No, that's not the case. How, okay. so how we have it set up is you can join any time during the season. You've got till the last day of the season to enter if you want to enter it. Because with marketing today, somebody may not have heard about our platform. And as long as there's an entry available in that state, they can get in at any given time. There's no limitation to that. Actually, you're at a disadvantage if you wait, right? you got a lot shorter season to harvest than you do the guy that jumped in before. So get in at any time. And it's just not about big deer. Some people might say, well, I'm only get in got a big deer on my property or something like that well it's not just a big deer competition so it's a real important that hunters know that the payout structure is just not about big deer it's about your deer right it's about your deer not just big deer so let's get go into that, that scenario that kind of that theory of what what that means and what what people can and can take from that as far as so the payout so let's go biggest payout. let's go you know the the highest payout percentage that a person can get for a first place entry is X, and then what are the subcategories for that? Well, you're really going to test my my brain power on remembering <laughs> everything about our payout at this point. 
that. Well, let me <laughs> let me. I, I've got the website pulled up here already, and it, okay. you can kind of correct me if I'm wrong. So the payout top ten for the state of Georgia with a uh, minimum entry of five thousand. So we have five thousand yep. hunters entered. First place would pay out fifty thousand dollars. Yes. And it would tear down all the way to 10th place where a 10th place entry into that for the top 10 would get $7,500. Yep, that's correct. All right. And then we're going to go, and this is where I get curious at. It says pay out 11th through 140th. Yep. So from 11th place through 20th place, if you have an entry in there, you're getting $5,000. Correct. Say that again. If you're placing 11th through 20th in the top Top tier of deer, you win five thousand dollars. For twenty first through thirtieth is four thousand, and then from there it tears all the way down to one hundred thirty first to one hundred fortieth place. You still get your money back. You win a hundred or two hundred fifty bucks. Yeah, that's with five thousand. That's with five thousand entries. That's right. And and on our on our website we have a uh, we'll be having a calculator maybe even already been deployed to our website at this point but we have a hunter calculator on our payout structure page where um, you can select the amount of hunters for your state and it automatically dynamically um, calculates what the payout is for that many hunters it does i just checked that if i if i go down to 500 entries in my state um first place pays out ten thousand dollars and it pays all the way back to it goes to 10th place first through 10th pays in 500 hunters just for people to know, how many people were signed up in Tennessee the last two years that you've been doing this? So I, I think I referenced that a little bit earlier, how um, 2019 we did the market test. We had 6,000 people reserved. Okay. And then and then we couldn't get our cameras in time uh, for it to actually have a competition. Oh. And then for manufacturing, they just couldn't produce them in time. And then the uh, COVID came for the following year, and I got the cameras in time for a season, but it never gave us any time to market because we never knew from day to day, week to week, if we were going to get our product in time for the season. And I wasn't going to go out and spend, you know, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars for marketing and, and not have product. Right. So I had to basically warehouse product for a year and this is going to be the first full-fledged season that we're going to have, hopefully in multiple states here in the uh, south southeast area. Have you thought about yeah, doing so, – go ahead. I was going to say, I did want to mention that uh, – and I may have mentioned this at the show. What we did do last year is we took 16 people, 16 people that uh, really wanted to be a part of this, uh, this challenge, and we – I, I put up like $25,000 for them to compete for. And they went out and, and tested this whole platform from end to end. And um, they were very pleased uh, when we did our, uh, our award ceremony here in May at the Tennessee Outdoor Rendezvous uh, show here in Nashville. And we awarded them with their checks and their um, um, trophies and so on. And, it's a big, we put up a big production, and that's what we want to do it for each state. It'll be a big production, and um, so there was so a beta we, test we in, in some aspect exactly. to, to the competition. Beta test competition, yep. yep, just to make sure everything was um, working just how we wanted to work. So let's go into the and and I want to stay on the five thousand limit because you know that's just an even number, and it's the, the realistically a, a large 
percentage of what that we hope this gets to. So let's go into the um, let's go into the special harvest. So if you kill the biggest ten pointer in five thousand entries, you win fifty thousand dollars. Oh, and I love that part. I love that part because Alex, <laughs> that's maybe how you perceive that. But guess what? It's not the biggest ten point. It's a random ten point. Oh snap! Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So all you have to do is harvest a ten pointer and get on the board, and you will be randomly drawn from that pool of harvest to potentially win that fifty thousand dollars. So let's go into the um, the point. It could be a ninety inch ten point. Yeah, that I don't wins. want you to shoot a ninety inch ten point, okay? <laughs> but I'm just telling you, <laughs> better not come by me in Georgia. It's gonna have a bad well, day. <laughs> well, before you keep going, that was kind of what I was gonna ask a second ago. Have you thought about doing this competition, uh, like a points based for each state? Like who killed the biggest six pointer? Who killed the biggest eight pointer? Who killed the biggest nine pointer? And so on. Well, that's no, kind of never really came out on the radar. I mean, I, I just. You know, I know some – like you said, people don't think that this is a challenge once they kill a, a giant deer. But if you kill an eight-pointer that scores 165 inches and then you get beat out by, you know, a gnarly-looking 12-pointer that ain't got no nothing to him, he's just old and masked up and wins, you know. I, I don't know. I'm just I'm just asking. Well, it basically is you, you win by score and in and, and, and this whole – now, the majority of the payout is based on score, right? So we're giving the credit to the deer. What did he grow? How much bone did he grow that year? So that's the primary aspect. These special harvest categories are so that people that can't get around big deer or don't feel like they have an opportunity, they can't compete against other people because they're intimidated because this guy over here shoots big deer every year and this guy I over here got I think that's where I'm going. Yeah, it is. yeah, yeah. Oh. So that's where the special special harvest categories come into um um, reward those hunters as well. Yeah, I mean, there's there's so many categories on here for payout special harvest. You got the ten point harvest, a nine point, eight point, seven point. So everyone that kills a seven pointer and it brings it up in films, it scores whatever. They have an opportunity to go into a pool and it's a random drawing to get yep. a six thousand dollar prize in five thousand entries. And you could be the only seven pointer in there. Yeah, you could be the only one in the bucket, <laughs> or you kill two. Wouldn't that be something? <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Well, or you go in and then you go down to a hundredth place. What do those categories mean on the website? So you got hundredth place, two hundredth place, three hundredth, and four hundredth. Well, just by landing on the leaderboard and randomly landing on that spot in the overall uh, board placement, uh-huh. there, there's a check there. I think it's a, a grand or something like that for those places. Well, 400 then, place is $1,500. 1500 yeah. Yeah, and that's, like that. you know. Now, you, now, if you land on 1,000th place, 2,000th place, 3,000th place, or 4,000th place, that's $10,000. That's that's crazy. I mean, and that's a... So, so, so from a scoring standpoint, think about that. You know, if you're scoring, and say our top scoring deer is a, we'll just keep it simple, a 160-inch booner, okay? And you could come off of that four, at 4,000 harvests, and which would be great, by the way. That would be awesome harvest rate for our apex hunters if we had 5,000 entries and basically that'd be like 80% harvest rate. Yeah. That would be crazy, you know, because it really normally doesn't pay out that way. Right. Or play out that way, I should say. But let's just say, even for that matter, it was 3,000 plays and you had a, uh, in, in the scheme of score, from 160 down to 3,000 place, let's just say that that range you end up in like 
like 85 inches or something. And yeah, in 3,000 places, 85 inches with a, a, a basic little basket rack, uh, um, uh, eight pointer or something. And it's worth 10 grand. So that allows the, you know, the really the intermediate hunter to, to really engage in this, um, in this opportunity if they desire to, as well as, you know, as, as the competition gets tighter and tighter and tighter and, and more demanding, there's just, we want to stretch that payout, get it further down, further down the leaderboard. It's very cool. You know, the, the scenario there that, that, that y'all played into, because you're not only, like you said, allowing the guy that's got a 180, 190 inch deer on his farm, you're allowing the guy that's down in the, you know, public land hunter that may not have a farm yeah. to hunt and everything else that goes out and kills a 90 or a hundred inch deer that, and he is so proud of killing that deer as anybody should Absolutely. be. If they take an animal, they should be proud of it. But now he's entered himself into an opportunity to win an exuberant amount. I mean, some people, this is a life changing amount of money. I mean, hell it would be yeah. for me. I could do a oh, lot yeah. of stuff for, with 10 grand. I mean, as anyone probably could, that's entering the competition. So, so with the 10 grand, you take your 10 grand, you go get yourself a big lease and shoot 160 the next year and win about 50. <laughs> That'd be, well, I, my wife might disagree with that. She might, she might have different payouts for that money, but, uh, you know, it's, it's a good, it's a good thought process that went into it and you, you definitely tiered it down down that way and uh you know it's, it's neat to hear yeah I, I like that they got the you know you could like if you do shoot a six pointer or seven pointer i do like that because that game that guy may sign up and and shoot that deer just to try to get in there to win you mm -hmm. know but most people signing up for this are going to be trying to i want to shoot a big deer on my farm i want to let my deer grow i want to let i want to grow mature deer on my farm but then you may have somebody that signs up just being like i don't care about deer i got a six pointer over here it might score 115 i'm gonna knock him down yep so sure. So yes, it goes down it, to a really seven about, pointer in those special categories. Yes. And, and as I shared at the oh, show, seven, uh, you know, we're advocates of, of capturing the hunt, six, right? Six. You know, <laughs> cameras capturing the hunt. <laughs> so, um, definitely through this whole process of having this white tail challenge, introducing people to the camera, we feel like for the industry, it, it's really there, the people who aren't doing it, they're missing out on an element of the outdoors that um, we feel like is going to, they're going to be rewarded in that way too, because the memories, memories never die and having it on film, there's such a reward there. And the other thing I want to talk about memories never die is our leaderboard is a live link leaderboard. So it's a blind leaderboard till the end of the season. But if I want to go on there and see in Georgia, what, what Alex harvested, I click on his name on the leaderboard and it brings me to his score history page. Now I can view, I can view Alex's videos. I can view the videos that he uploaded and I can see what took place in his raw footage of how he harvested his deer. And I can jump around the leaderboard. I can see what the top guy did. I can see what, you know, how the place did. And I think over time, there's going to be a really uh, fun community to be able to go on there and just click around and see what people are doing. Uh, as far the, as far game, the game warden is going to be visiting you a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I would. Be. I would hate to be the moderator on the Facebook page for these competitions. I would hate. You better hire a team of moderators because there's going to be so much smack talking. I ain't no way that near scored 140. Mister yeah, 130 yeah, has yeah. entered the chat. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. Well. Well, and you know, like you said, and that and that's kind of what Nick and I had talked about on the way back from speaking with you. You're a real personable guy that can deliver the the information out there to people, 
And what we want to do with this podcast that we've done with you is, is show that we can understand it from a from a marketing standpoint, and we can understand it from the business side. And everything's got a business aspect to it. And one thing you made mention to me the other day when you and I were on the phone was it's almost took a more personable side for you for this product and this this challenge as opposed to a business side. And you talked to me a little bit about the QDMA side of it. And you mentioned that earlier in the uh, in the in the call or in the in the show that mm-hmm. the QDMA side of it, where a guy may not necessarily shoot that 120 inch buck to show off to his buddies, he's got it on film there, and he can actually share it and let that deer grow. And that was an it was a very interesting you know aspect to put into the to put into play here. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I was trying to share earlier. That you know, introducing a camera into your your hunting world uh, definitely. I know it did for me. It matured me as a hunter to another level. Um, after I thought I was, you know, this accomplished hunter, and I brought the camera into the mix, and wow, you know, this is this has even made me a better, I think, a better outdoorsman because I would, you know, a 140 inch deer. I'm gonna let that deer walk. I, I got him on camera. I know he's a four year old, and I'm gonna try to get him to six years old. When I mean, I, a lot of people can't do that, and they don't want to do that because they hunt public land and they don't have you know, they know, they think it's going to go on a neighbor's neighbors and they're going to shoot it, that type of thing. But, um, each hunter has their own, each hunter has their own opinions and, and, and whatnot about how they want to, you know, grow as a, as an outdoorsman. But, uh, I know it definitely helped me that that same concept that you're sharing there, Alex, definitely helped me as well. Are y'all going to take any of the footage from the folks that enter and use it for a show or YouTube channel or anything? That's a great, great question. Um, we do, um, from the terms of our agreement with, with all of the um, Apex hunters, we're, we're able to use it how we want for marketing and that type of stuff. Plus, they get to keep it and do whatever they want with it, of course. But um, our goal, and I, I may have mentioned this earlier, is that um, we are going to follow six Tennessee people this year and film them utilizing our product in the field, how they strategize how it, they incorporate into their haunts and that type of thing and create a, uh, a nice little um, series of episodes um, of different demographics, how, how the public land hunter uses it, how the private landowner uses it, how uh, um, a woman uh, hunter uses it, um, how a father-son team uses it, and, and show those different um, demographics of, hey, you know, it doesn't matter who you are or what level hunter you are anyone can can do this that you do not have to be a professional videographer you just have to get this deer on camera and allow us to be able to verify that that deer that you harvested in the harvest shot is the deer that you're recovering and if we can do that we have a production group that will take this thing frame by frame because we're on the hunter side we want to do everything we can to make sure that we can get that harvest authenticated Damn did I answer your question? No, you did. You yeah. answered you answered every question. Now I do have I do have um three questions left. Um and I, I know okay. we're running kind of running kind of long here and I, I hate to keep you, but I've got I want people to be able to understand this thing. So is there an opportunity if there is any discrepancy at the end of this thing, you've got a guy that's at the top of the mark 
would there be an opportunity for a lie detector test to make sure that that guy could pass it? Absolutely, Alex. That's a great question. Like I said, integrity is at the foundation of everything we built this whitetail challenge around. When you get your uh, when you get your package, when you get what we call as a buck bash box, you get your first your camera and everything with your first entry. You open up that box and it says right on the top of that box, hunters um, uh, may be required to take a polygraph test. So if at any point as as the apex marshals review footage. Um, ch- check the data, contact them. If there's anything that seems a little bit fishy, yep. they definitely will be required to take, uh, take a, a, a polygraph, definitely. Because everything we do in regards to this um, challenge is about protecting the interests of the hunters. Yeah, and that's, that's one thing that's I know. One that, thing, yep, that's the one thing I was just going to say. That's the one thing that, that – People are going to question more than anything else. When you associate this amount of money with yep. an opportunity to win, there's people going to be looking for loopholes to cheat it. Well, it ain't just a, it ain't just the money. It's also the big buck. I mean, first time you kill yeah. a big buck, somebody accuses you shooting it somewhere illegal or at night or anything like that. Well, so. we've listened to those stories enough over the last few months to yeah. hear you know how people can handle that and the, having that's one thing that. You know, you may not be a professional videographer. You may not have any desire to have a camera with you or put it on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. You may just be an old hunter out here just doing your thing. Having that camera and taking it all the way back to what Don Higgins said when he killed one of his giants, he had that film and he was able to show and prove he was in Mm -hmm. that exact time and that exact moment. And you kill a deer of a lifetime, guess what? Jab, jab, jab. People's coming after you with anything they can. And adding this camera into your mix, it's 250 bucks. You ain't going to buy a better camera for 250 bucks and enter yourself into an opportunity to get a prize payout. So it's an opportunity of a lifetime for a lot of people, and you just got to think about that way. We, li- we live in a technological world, there's no doubt about it. And, you know, the advancements of hunting grow every, every year. And this platform is just a stepping stone towards building that niche in our market in the whitetail world where we can come together and have hopefully a friendly competition with a giant payout is what we're trying to deliver. Uh, what about SD cards, Mr. Wade? Um, is there an opportunity for you to purchase additional SD cards in case you're just out there filming birds and, you know, building a story and you want to use this camera and you fill up an SD Absolutely. card? Yeah, we have all the, everything can be bought separately on our website as well. Um, and, and, and you can get, you know, additional ones at, you know, in electronic stores, that thing. But the camera comes with a 64 gig um, uh, SD card. So case, and uh, if, if somebody fills that card up, then it's just amazing because they're filming like crazy. So, yeah, because, yeah. you know, the, the battery for this camera is, I believe, like a 90-minute battery. And from a hunting standpoint, you're not out there filming to, to put together a, a hunting episode on TV where you've got to film for hours, hours, and hours and get some of the, the best footage out of it and, and put it together in, in, in production. So you got plenty of battery, plenty of storage space on, this, on, the, uh, on the equipment that's being provided. For me, I would want to have that additional battery, though. You know, I would want to have it just in case something. I'm out there, and I've got a deer at, let's say I've got a 
an absolute giant, I mean, a tank of a deer, and he's at 150 yards, and I've got a bow in my hand, and I'm filming that deer because I don't know, and he's running does back and forth. I may film him for, for hours on end watching him run those does. I want to have that extra battery and that extra card in my in my pocket. That way, if the battery dies or I'm down to 10 minutes, and you're, you're talking about a lot of opportunity here, and I just don't like taking that chance. But you can buy the cards and, and a uh, battery, I assume, from the website. Absolutely. And listening to you um, share that, you know, potential experience there, Alex, one of the things that I've adapted into my hunting is the camera of this sort is mounted on my stabilizer for my bow. Right. And uh, one year I had some shoulder problems, so I hunted with a crossbow. But uh, what I like about that is I'm constantly at a very easy position to hit record on that camera. And I can follow that animal with my weapon, and I don't, I'm never out of position to like go for the arm or or something like that. Now I do have some redneck blinds, and and I, I I'll put it on a on a tripod or something, you know, potentially at, at times. But and some of the tutorials that we'll have on our website is is how hunters can set up. Um, you know, we're not we're not a uh, film tip company or anything like that but from our experience we we know what works well in the field and if being able to attach it to your weapon takes a lot of burden off the cameraman yeah, you know being able it. to just I just I keep playing that in my head how sick you would be if if you had that camera on an arm even and you didn't get that kill shot on camera instead of having it what if what if you got half the shot on camera or what if the the deer was behind say you did have it on an arm Say the deer was behind a tree I mean, about for the camera, but not for the shooter. But as soon as you shot, you could grab the camera and video it running off. And you, if, if, if that deer walked in the camera frame and we saw the antler frame uh-huh. in, the, in, the, in there and there was no, obviously, break in the footage and the deer stepped behind the, the um, tree and the shot was there, um, obviously we want to see the, the impact shot as much as possible but we're going to use the utmost amount of discretion when sure. determining that everything about this harvest is authentic and legitimate goes right back to and, that polygraph and we too. will definitely we will definitely be um verifying that information if, sure. there, uh, if there's any any issues um the requirements let's, let's talk about the requirements of the video that um that are for uploading so I want to talk about that process a little bit and I think it'll give some, a really good overview to what's expected from the apex hunter. So when you, when you're filming your hunt, uh, it can go down um, by a million different ways in the woods, right? We all know that. But, um, what you have to capture is at some point a, just a, um, the, the image of the hunter, just, you can talk at the camera for 10 seconds, say, you know, say your name, whatever, because the audio means nothing to us. We just have to get a, a visual on that hunter with the timestamp of the camera on that date. The other thing that they, they acquired during that hunt is they just basically pan around their tree stand or their, or their um, ground blind or their um, redneck or whatever they're hunting from. And they just do a quick little pan around their hunt zone so that we have some kind of reference if there ever gets to be any type of um, discrepancies that we have to investigate. Okay. That's not giving away their hunt location. It's nothing like that. They're just doing a, a soft pan around, around their, their hunt zone, wherever their setup is. The third thing is 
they're getting, they're trying to capture the harvest shot. Worst case scenario is what you just brought up a second ago. The deer's behind a tree, but you can see that the deer was shot if it takes off and, and, and whatnot. We'll, we'll be able to make those um, determinations at that point, but they, they capture the harvest shot to the best of their ability. Yep. Capturing the antler frame in, in the, in the shot. The fourth thing is they're capturing the recovery. They're, they're, they're capturing the recovery of where that animal expired at that point. Um, and which case gives us the ability for them to take the cell phone camera, you know, smartphone to take a, take a, a, a photo. And that will also be uploaded with their footage because all of their geo information will be attached to that cell phone photo at that point. And then finally, like I mentioned earlier in our, um, uh, interview here, it was the, uh, the measurements of the antlers, um, putting the tape on and, uh, you know, that can be, that can be a month later. It doesn't have to be all this, all everything we just talked about, it doesn't have to be in a matter of days. Um, once the deer has been processed and they're like, well, I think I'm going to put the, the tape on there at this point and film that. And at that point, um, the, um, the score can be uploaded to our database from the phone. The only part that's going to require a desktop or laptop is uploading your footage because you're going to be taking it off an SD card from the from the uh, camera and uh, uploading it from there. So, um, like I said, very simple process once once they uh, start that process. Has there been any Has there been any thought yet into trying to do mule deer or elk? Good question. We. Once we get this, there it has been, you know, we have a, a five-year plan for this model and uh, other species are on the, on the hit list for, for it. Uh, getting it established in the whitetail world is the first thing, right? Sure. Uh, one of the things we want to do here coming up spring is uh, people that are already in the, the whitetail challenge, many of them are turkey hunters. So we, we have a turkey, a potential turkey competition to follow it as well, which will be a real, uh, a much smaller entry, a much smaller purse payout, but definitely a lot of fun. That's uh, all close range type, um, intimate outdoors, uh, you know, hunting. So it, it'll it'll be a lot of fun for for those that want to get in that get in that competition. I'd be anxious to see. Um, to you mentioned that. elk. Uh, oh, Mr. Yeah, Longspur coming out of him. Look at that grin, <laughs> Mr. Wade. You mentioned turkeys, and that's all Nick's had to hear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh man! But uh, as far as big game goes, um, there's no doubt that the whitetail is is the the most you know sought after here in, in, in on our continent. So who knows what the future will hold for some of the other things? When you get into the, some of those other species like mule deer and elk, the 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 amount of hunters drops, the amount of tags drop, and to have a significant payout, the entries would have to go up. So there's there's a model element that has to you know really be considered when when trying to I- implement other species and a turkey spit it at this point but um that's really it's all on a radar at this point get the whitetail side established it's the biggest game chasing in the, in the united yeah. states right now as far as a far as what you got going on on this east coast i know there's hunters out west that chase whitetails but not like they do here and man the volume and and the generation the generation we're living in now wants to film everything. I mean, you look at, you can't even eat dinner or see what you're going to have for, for uh, supper from the grocery store without seeing a, uh, seeing a video made of it. So 
the the implications of it are are, are amazing and um you know I, i'm excited to see what uh see what this season holds as, as far as it goes now as we're winding this thing up here mr wade i know this has been a really you know informative show but I got to kick it over to my buddy Nick here, and he's got two questions that he always asks people. And you've had a pretty well versed career as far as where you came from as a as a young hunter with your dad and your grandpa, and and I want I want that to be something that people really hear from you because that that sticks with all of us. You know, we grew up hunting with our with our people that we loved, our grandpas, our dads, you know, we spent time in the outdoors. And I want people to understand that you're not a guy, just a business guy that's jumped right into this thing and wanting to make a dollar off of this. This is really something that you're passionate about and that you want to see be successful, you know, as a business standpoint, because we all want to make money. That's the, that's the thing. And we're all in it to make money, but there's also that side of it for you that has a passion for that QDMA point and the growth that you want to see people be able to do something different. As we say, mount the memories, and uh, we mount the memories in any way we can, and putting it on film something that's great. So I want people to really listen to the, you, you speak that way, and if they run into you at a show, they'll be able to understand that as they're speaking with you. And Hey, I guarantee you, there's some old boy out there that's going to see you at a show after they hear this, and they're going to say, tell me about hunting in Wisconsin. Let's hear about it a little bit. They might want to know <laughs> one of those old stories, so be ready for that because it's probably coming. Yeah, well, I can tell them there's, there's orange around every tree come gun season. <laughs> well, they, they may not recognize him because we're looking at him now with a T-shirt and a Matthews hat on and – yeah, we seen we seen we seen him at the show. He's all decked out, I, 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 like he just come off a jet airplane. That's right. He stepped right off the plane. So, well, uh, I'm gonna kick it over to Nick, Mister Wade. He's got two okay. questions that he asks every single guest that we've had on the show, and uh, he's gonna hit it, and then uh, then we'll close this thing out. So, Nick, take it away. Pretty simple questions, so nothing nothing too challenging. Um, what's a piece of advice you'd give somebody, Mister Wade? Piece of advice pertaining to what anything either. anything coming up in the outdoor world. Anything coming up in the white? A piece of advice. Follow your dreams. I, I guess you know that's a that's a general and maybe a little cliche, but you know I live my life. I don't. I, I'm an ambitious guy. I, uh, I I'm a dreamer, but I've always chased my dream. Whether it was for the, the bass fishing, you know, becoming a professional bass fisherman, uh, the vision of this um, this particular whitetail challenge. You know, you live one life. I, I, I say go for it. You know, my wife and I, we've lived by that, um, that attitude. Just go for it. You know, you can't fail without trying. That's right. It doesn't matter what it is. You go for that 200 inch. You cannot fail without trying. Yeah. We don't get that much, but we have got that answer a few times, but. Yeah, I've never heard you can't yeah. fail if you don't try. That's, right. That's a new one. I, we may have just named we may have just named this episode. You can't fail if you don't try. And the last one I always ask right. everybody, Mr. Wade, what are you most thankful for? Uh, what am I most thankful for? Oh goodness, that, it's it's actually quite easy. What I'm thankful for, I'm most thankful for, you know, my family and uh, my daughter. She's really the the love of my life. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, I've been blessed in, in, in many ways, uh, my, my wife and I, and, you know, our efforts as, uh, as a family and business and whatnot. And, and really, we want to return a lot of that right now. That's really our focus in life. 
um, if this, this whitetail challenge being one of them. Um, this isn't just the, like you mentioned earlier, Alex, this is not a get rich scheme. There's nothing about this business model that gives us a quick return of um, revenue. Right. This is an ongoing long-term venture of hopefully building a platform of success that we uh, advocate filming and capturing the deer story. And, and we're hoping that my commitment to this venture, my family's commitment to this venture brings excitement and reward to hunters wherever we plan to have this particular whitetail challenge, which is right now in, in 18 states where we're, we're based on license sales is where we're, we're offering it. I don't know if that was the best answer for that, but that's, hey, that's perfect, uh, man. That, that's your answer. That, that, Everybody's that, answer is different and that's your answer. So Mr. Wade, thanks for coming on. Thank you for, um, thanks for reaching out with Alex after the show. It was not, it was a pleasure to meet you over there and pleasure to talk to you again tonight after a few short days. My away. pleasure. It's totally my pleasure. You guys are great. I think, uh, you know, the more and more you, um, uh, do these types of podcasts and, and keep people plugged into the outdoors, it's, uh, uh I think it's a, a wonderful show. Well, as uh, Nick said, Mr. Wade, we couldn't couldn't thank you enough for taking the time, and you know, definitely a shout out to uh, to Matt Jennings over at the game for setting up this meeting in in any way, shape, or form that he did. Matt's became a good friend of ours. We've we've made some great relationship building opportunities through Matt, and uh, this is one that I'm I'm excited for. Um, as I told you on the phone, it was definitely interesting to get to speak with you in that uh, setting there. And as soon as I, you know, heard you say, hey, I'm an Illinois bow hunter, you know, and you was excited, mm-hmm. and, and I saw a fire in your eyes for that. And when you got to telling me more in depth about where you were coming from as the process of this whole challenge goes, I could see the passion in you. And I want people to be able to see that, especially when we're at the uh, GON Outdoor Blast that's coming up on August 20, 21st, and 22nd. You're actually the title sponsor of that show. And, hey, me and my old buddy Nick's going to be there <laughs> recording all day. <laughs> Awesome. I can't wait for that. That's going to be great. So we can get together and, uh, and do some more informing and, and let hunters know they got this great opportunity. Oh, we're definitely going to set up a time for you to come right. over and visit us at the booth. And, um, you know, I, I can't wait to see where this thing goes. I can't wait to get the information out there and hopefully Georgia represents and gets, uh, gets that 5,000 mark or, or above and beyond. And, um, I, I'm hoping that we can see more of an, an updated structure on the, on the Facebook or social media platforms at where they're standing. If you need you know, if you reach a pinnacle mark like a thousand hunters or two thousand, maybe you could share that information with everyone, and everyone can actually find uh, find all their information regarding this at apexcompetitions.com. Uh, you can also find them on Facebook and on Instagram. Are y'all going to be doing a giveaway like you did at the Alabama uh, deal? Absolutely, yeah. At the at the uh, GON, we'll be basically people can like our Instagram or our uh, Facebook or both. Um, and they don't have to be at the show. They can do it at any time and be eligible for, um, we're giving away a, a Raven uh, crossbow, which is uh, a beautiful. It's a pretty good prize. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, as, as you saw at our Alabama show that uh, we give away an entry um, to anyone that gets the closest score to one of the deer we have hanging in our booth. Uh, just, um, putting a Boone and Crockett uh, estimation on them. So that's another opportunity to be able to win uh, over there in Georgia. 
Well, for anybody that hears this episode, and it's going to drop really, really soon, uh, I want you to make sure you go over and check out everything there. But also come over to the GON Outdoor Blast. It's going to be at the Emerson. That's Lake Point uh, Sports Complex in Emerson, Georgia. It's right off 75. Go over and check it out. Come see us. We're going to be there August 20th, 21st, and 22nd, all day, every day, podcasting, talking to fine folks like Mr. Wade. we got some amazing people we're going to be speaking with. Go by and see him, and uh, hey, get an opportunity to get you a free camera and an entry into uh, probably one of the biggest buck con challenges, I almost said it, in the country that's going Mm -hmm. on right now. So we can't wait to see where it goes for you, Mr. Wade. We thank you for taking your time to come on with us tonight, and I can promise you one thing. You're going to have to talk to me after this one to see how it went for you. Awesome. I appreciate it. I appreciate you guys. Yes, sir. We'll be talking real soon, Mr. Wade. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right. Talk to you soon. All righty. Bye-bye. All right, everybody. You know, that – that was probably one of the most informative shows we've done. It was. It was a very, uh, very different, you know. We were asking questions about something we had no idea about. And, and we, we were, were ask, learning. And we were asking them in a way for other people to try to understand also. Yep. I think people that listen to this show are, are probably curious and interested in this. And I'll be honest with you, it opened up a lot of, lot of light to some of the darkness that was in there that, that I didn't really understand on it. I really got a clearer understanding about what the competition is and where it's headed next. And if you listen to this episode and you've got any questions that come from this show that we may have missed, make sure you reach out to Nick, myself, or Cody. You can reach out to us on any of the Instagram page or or the Facebook page. Shoot me a text, whatever. If there's something comes up that you want me to ask Mr. Wade, hey, I got his number, I'll ping him anytime, and we'll put those questions out there. Or you can get there. you a $10 ticket and come over to the Outdoor Blast. Oh, man. And ask come him, on. And ask him himself. Come Not on. in person. Getting tough on, son. <laughs> <laughs> Plug it if you got it. Well, we appreciate everybody for tuning into this one. It's been a great show. Um, anything you got, Nick? No, nope, I'm good. Hey, Charles Wiggins came over and sat in here with us tonight. He's been sitting over there like a plump little melon sitting there just as pretty as you please. He's been quiet. We ain't going to let him talk because he ain't earned that yet. We're going to have to let him sit over there and learn a little bit first. But we appreciate him coming by and sitting in with us in the studio. And, uh, hey, I'm excited this could be. All right. Let's do it, dude. All right, Nick. Kicking this one into next week. We can't wait to hear what y'all got coming up. And as always, smile as you go. And don't forget, mount the memories.